Well, he is back, and I, for one, am thrilled that Dr. Michael Royzen is with us again. He is my pal, my buddy, and frankly, he's a big stinking deal at the Cleveland Clinic. We talked to Dr. Royzen about so many different things as it relates to your health, staying healthy, getting healthy, living younger, living longer. He's the guy behind the Age Proof Life series of books, and he's also the guy behind a book that is somewhere on a ship hoping to get here, The Great Age Reboot. It should have been here by now, Doc, but what are we now, planning on the fall for your new book to get here? Yeah, well, it'll, it, it it comes out officially September 13th, uh, 2022, so this coming September, um, and it's actually, it, it, you know, I learned uh, that it wasn't the actual printed book, it's the paper for the book they couldn't get. You're kidding. So, so we're, no. wa- we're waiting on paper. Can't somebody go to Staples and buy a couple of boxes? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully it'll outsell a couple of boxes worth of... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. September's too far away. I hope it gets here soon. Uh, you and I talk all the time about so many different things as it relates to health. And in our last conversation, it was not on radio. It was not on air. You were talking about flu shots and the importance of flu shots. And I have said I have not had a flu shot in 17 years. That's quite a long time. And that was the only time I'd ever gotten a flu shot. And I got sick as a dog after it. So I've been reticent, as you might imagine. Um, Doc, um, you said something that made me think I need to go get a flu shot. Let's share that with the audience. What's the the big reason this year that anyone who's hesitant should consider getting a flu shot? Well, there are actually two reasons, and you and I have discussed one of them, and it may have slipped you uh, your memory about three or four years ago. We talked about the data on flu shots is that if you get them in 10 years in a row from 50 to 60, you decrease your risk of a heart attack or stroke by 25%, and you decrease your risk of being in a hospital and dying by 50%. Mm. The reason is because the flu itself causes a huge amount of inflammation. And the reason 10 years is because over 10 years you get enough of the different varieties that you, even if you get the flu, you're unlikely to get a serious bout of it. And let me give you, so we measure inflammatory markers, something called HSCRP, highly specific C-reactive protein. You want your normal to be under one. When you get a small infection, a prostate infection or a vaginal infection, it may go up to 10. If you get a, uh, but with the flu, it can go to 150. That means you're getting inflammation throughout your body, same as if you had a serious COVID infection. But the flu, in addition to this, what we knew about the flu from the 1917 to 19 Spanish flu, so-called Spanish flu, is almost all the people who developed Parkinson's disease in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s were people who had the flu with the Spanish flu Hmm. in that era and survived. That's now true Denmark just did the study um, looking at all of their uh, people who develop Parkinson's disease, and it showed that if you had the flu, you're more than twice as likely to develop 
Parkinson's disease as if you had gotten um, flu shots and not developed the flu in that 10-year period. They followed people from the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Wow. So important to both decrease your risk of heart attack and stroke and decrease your risk of Parkinson's disease. Yeah, that's kind of important. Let me me go one more thing. Remember, nothing in medicine is what we call absolutely safe. So you look at benefit to risk ratios. So the flu shot isn't absolutely safe, but its benefit to risk ratio is huge, meaning over a thousand to one. That is, it's like putting a dollar down on the roulette table and having the chance of losing that dollar or getting a thousand back. So that's the value of, of that shot. There, nothing is safe. Remember, there are serious effects with all of these things, um, even vaccines. So you have to weigh the risks, talk to your own doctor, and make the decision in concert with your doctor. And that's kind of the way you should look at everything, people. I'm just saying, you know, listening to somebody like me on the radio and then making a decision, I wouldn't exactly say that's a good idea. I, I would say you really need to have a little time where you talk to a medical professional, somebody like Dr. Royzen. Hopefully you have a doctor and talk honestly with them. Uh, doc, two, one more thing about the flu shot before I transition to the next thing, because you reminded me of something. Uh, the flu shot is not the flu shot from 10 years ago. Every year they adapt it. Don't they take last year's flu and kind of make a new flu shot so it's close to the most recent flu? Right. We What happens is they judge the southern hemisphere year tends to be a year ahead of us or half year ahead of us. So what happened in Australia and Brazil and Chile, south of the equator, what those strains are what we make our flu shot from. Hmm. So that's one point. The second point is you've got a hand of the people who have been um, harping on the dangers of vaccines have made vaccines much, much safer. So there's been a real benefit to the vaccine, if you will, the anti-vax movement did have a side benefit, if you will, and for the, those of us who do get vaccines, in making them much safer. So there is good news on that, too. Well, that's good. That's smart. Um, you, you talked about uh, risks and taking chances and, and side effects and that no vaccine is perfect. And I get that. And I, I'm one of the guys who made the decision to get both shots and a booster. And thank God I have not had a bout with COVID. And I'm happy about that. Uh, but there was discussion early on that young guys, young men, young boys, were susceptible to something called myocarditis after they got, I think it was the Pfizer injection. And then there's a discussion of whether or not COVID can cause myocarditis if you get COVID. What's the deal here, Doc? What's what's a greater risk? Getting myocarditis, which is, I think, a swelling around the heart uh, from the injection or from getting COVID? Well, Let's, let's be clear. What myocarditis is, is an inflammation of the heart. And in the vast majority of cases, both from real COVID, that is getting the vaccine, or the real disease, they have been temporary and gone away. But there are serious events from myocarditis. It's an inflammation of your heart, so your hearts cannot pump as well. 
and you can die from it from abnormal heartbeats or just from the heart giving out and the risk in people over the age of 50 or in people who have comorbidities has been one in 250,000 to one in 500,000. The risk in those men, not women, but men between 18 and 45, that's the data, unfortunately, we don't have the data in between 40 and 50 very well, has been around one in 150,000. Now, let's just say they are underreporting it by 20-fold. So it would be one in 7,500, if you will. Oh, that's bad. That's, a, that's a, a, certainly a considerable risk. Um, and- right. The risk if you get COVID is around one in 5,000. And remember the risk of long COVID, which is a brain dysfunction if you get serious COVID disease, is someplace in the order of one in three in the population over age 18. So the risk from the disease is much greater um, for all groups, including the younger men, that is the 18 to 45 year old men, than the risk of the vaccine. But that doesn't mean the vaccine's safe. It just means that you're you're putting down a dollar and getting a whole bunch of money back if you're over 50 or with a comorbidity such as obesity or such as diabetes type 2 etc the the um risk is you're 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 getting someplace over ten thousand dollars back for that one dollar that is the ratio of benefit to harm is something over ten thousand to one in the group between 18 and 45, it's probably at least 100 to 1, but we don't have enough data to know exactly where it is on the long term. But overall, uh, not taking the vaccine puts you at risk to having a worse case of COVID, which could mean a, a serious problem with myocarditis or long COVID. And taking the vaccine has risk, but it's nowhere near the numbers we're seeing with the unvaccinated. That's exactly right. Okay. Just want to, I want to make that clear. And I, I hope people understand that again, you have to make your decisions. Dr. Rosen, I want to talk in the very near future. If fact, I, I'm yeah? going to just mention, and I hope I can do this. You know, there was an editorial in the New York times that I went, not an editorial, an op-ed, which said, uh, look what he's selling now talking about Dr. Oz. And it was personal responsibility. We all have personal responsibility, and thank God someone is selling it, if I can, (laughs) because we all have personal responsibility for our own health. It isn't the government that should be telling, that that should be, in fact, being responsible for our health. It's us. Yeah, I am so locked in on everybody trying to have agency in their health, in their own lives, in their work, etc., and that's really important. I'm glad Dr. Oz is pushing that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, Doc, let's get together again soon, and let's talk about real serious stuff that people can do to make themselves healthier and better in the new year. Will you come back again? Absolutely. Good. Then I'll plug your book, 
Go to whenway.com. Whenway.com. That's Dr. Roizen's site for the What to Eat When cookbook, which I have and I use, and it's a companion to the book, What to Eat When. Thank you, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You also. Well, she's back, and I am thrilled. Our friend Wendy Patrick, who is an attorney, prosecutor, an author, a musician, and a friend, is joining us because I have questions about stories and uh, stuff happening in the law. And I'm glad she's here. Wendy, thank you for joining us once again. Oh, always a pleasure, Mike. Now, I want to get to this cruise ship story, but first, uh, you and I talked during the week about the story out of Baltimore where a guy was convicted of arson. He intentionally set his ex-girlfriend's house on fire. There were three people inside. He was charged initially with like 18 counts. Then they ran it down to 10 counts, but it eventually got pled down to one count. And, and initially there were three counts of attempted murder. He ends up spending a few months in jail. He's out on the street and then he starts talking about how he shouldn't be on the street. And he's on the street because of some of the lax, I guess, application of the law by people like the district attorney in Baltimore City, Marilyn Mosby. And now Mosby is facing a slew of legal problems over charges of perjury and some funny stuff she did on a mortgage application. So she's facing some serious jail time, I guess, if she's convicted of everything. Can she pardon herself, Wendy? Can she let herself out? <laughs> well, she's not prosecuting herself. That's up to, to somebody else. But um, it's, it's always interesting to, to be asking these questions when you do see public officials being indicted, being charged. And, you know, you wonder, I mean, they, they too, despite having a career in the system, have to follow the law themselves. And obviously we don't know the ins and outs of the case and everybody's innocent to presumed, uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty. But you probably can imagine that was a headline that really caught my attention. I'll be following this one. Yes, we will follow this uh, to the ends of the earth. Now, uh, That's right. to the audience's uh, education here, if you're just new to the show or you haven't understood uh, what Wendy is all about, Wendy Patrick, my friend, loves to be on a cruise ship. She loves to go places. And as much as I love traveling, I've never been on a cruise ship. I have really no interest at this point being on a cruise ship. But Wendy has been with withheld or uh, not allowed to enjoy her cruise ship predilections for years now because of the COVID. And I thought, oh man, this is gonna turn around. Things are gonna happen. And then I saw a story that I sent to Wendy that I thought would make Wendy Patrick feel very good. And it was all about cruise ships not being held to the same standards uh, as regards to COVID vaccinations and stuff. So, Wendy, is this good news for you? Are you are you happy? Is there a major breakthrough for you to once again travel? Uh, well, Mike, you know, just so your listeners know, I mean, we were up to like five cruises a year. We were always on a cruise ship. You and I have done so many shows together using the excellent Internet that many cruise ships now offer. But that's right. So what we have is the CDC's conditional sailing order. That was that set of health and safety rules that cruise companies had to abide by since October 2020. That seems like forever. 
it expired. And so that means now it's going to be a voluntary program. So the cruise ships will decide, you know, what they're going to do. But Mike, I got to tell you a couple of things from this report really caught my attention. One of the things that they noted is obviously they still are going to have to report new outbreaks. Um, Remember, those numbers have absolutely skyrocketed on those cruise ships. I mean, you remember that at one point, not even too long ago, in um, between December 15th and 29th, they jumped from 162 cases being reported up to more than 5,000 yeah. in that time period. Now, thankfully, and, and perhaps somewhat surprisingly, there really weren't an enormous amount of serious illnesses reported. So that just sort of seems to reflect the Omicron rather than the Delta variant that we were talking about earlier. But I do have to say one of the things really caught my attention is they're going to do um, simulated voyages in order to test COVID-19 mitigation efforts. Can you imagine how much fun that is? I'm assuming all their buffets are going to be open again. The pool deck's going to be open. Um, I may try to sign up for one of those simulated voyages. What do you think? So that's like what are these people who volunteers to be a guinea pig in a medical experiment? Although you, it's kind of like the, the, the it's kind of like the simulated flights that they were doing um, overseas. You remember that at the beginning oh, yeah. of, of the pandemic, they would load people onto a plane. They would serve them drinks and food, you know, while they're pulling up their masks up and down, and then they would uh, depart. I guess the good news is you don't have to pack a bag because you don't go anywhere. Yeah, well, do these simulated cruises go anywhere, or are you all just partaking in the buffet and the uh, unlimited drinks? The latter, the latter, but you still need a suitcase because on a cruise, unlike a flight, you're going to be there for a week. So, yeah, I would pack a bag. That's so interesting to me. I would go for it, Wendy. You have to do it, and if you get accepted... We need to do a segment from the simulated cruise. That would be just the coolest. Oh, you bet. No, you bet. I'm looking forward to that. And now, another question. As regards a lot of these cruise ships, many of them are flagged in other countries. You know, they are licensed or registered in other nations as if it were a foreign airline landing on American soil. Um, Are those flagged in other countries' cruise ships subject to the rules of the countries from which they originate or where they arrive? Well, therein lies the rub, Mike. There is something to be said for uh, going on a cruise and having a country, whether or not the cruise ship is licensed there, accept the ship. Remember just recently when there were these outbreaks aboard those cruises, the countries that they were supposed to be docking at the ports said, don't even think about it. Don't you unload those passengers here and then bring COVID into our community. So that's another issue. And I mean, it's like I said, I would go even if I couldn't get off the ship. I love cruising. But that's not what why most people take cruises. You know, unlike me, they haven't seen these ports before. So they're all about going to shop and bringing back souvenirs. And if you board a ship and the itinerary is set, that doesn't necessarily mean that itinerary is going to continue to be set because if an outbreak occurs, or even if there's a couple of cases, you may have ports that say not here. You're not docking here. Remember the beginning of the pandemic? I mean, it's funny only in retrospect and maybe not funny at all to anybody that was stuck on those ships. You had people trapped at sea because they weren't able to dock anywhere. So it gets more complicated uh, unless you're going on an all-sea voyage, not supposed to be going anywhere. So this continues to be sort of a, a risky venture if you choose to go anchors away anytime soon. Okay, my next question relates to uh, travel, 
but it's air travel and <laughs> I don't we didn't talk about this in the warm up before I picked up the phone with you. Um there is a video on on the internet that is going viral and it shows a man on a plane and the flight was reportedly an hour and 50 minutes I believe it was. He did not wear a mask the entire time on the plane. And he used the eating or drinking exemption that is allowed or afforded to passengers. They say if you're eating or drinking, you don't have to pull your mask up. He had a French fry sticking out of his mouth for the entire flight. And people were recording it or taking pictures of it. I I just love this story because it seems to point out the ridiculousness and randomness of some of these rules. Have you seen this, Wendy? And would you defend this man in court? Well, it's all over social media. So this guy had that French fry in his mouth for an entire one and a half hour flight just so he wouldn't have to wear a mask. That seems <laughs> awfully uncomfortable. And I mean, wouldn't he want to have the the phenomenal peanuts and soda that they serve you on planes? I'm just so glad that they're serving food again. But yeah, this is great. And um, it, the, it's just hysterical because when I first saw these photos, it looked it first looked like there was a mask hanging from his ear when you look at the, uh, the TikTok videos. But he kept that French fry sticking straight out you know, in front of them the, the whole time. I've seen the photos, too. It really was something. Yeah, the cap- what somebody won't do to go viral, right? No uh, such thing as bad press for this guy. Yeah, well, the only bad press is your own obituary. That's according to the late uh, Michael O'Donohue from Saturday Night Live fame. Uh, and he's, he's right, because that is the worst press. Uh, I think... This guy would be wise to try and get a hold of whichever fast food company provided his fry and see if he can get an endorsement deal. Oh, what an idea, Mike. What an idea. Well, you think just like an entrepreneur. That's a really great – I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It almost looks like there's there's crinkles in it as if it came oh. from – what would that be? Chick Fil A. Would that be Burger King? It wouldn't no. be. Wouldn't be McDonald's. No. Those don't have uh, no. crinkles. Uh, Wendy, that would be Chick Fil A. Hello, Chick Fil A. Oh, Chick Fil A. You need to find I this guy. I thought they guy. had the crisscross fries. I thought they had the crisscross fries. Oh, Mike, are you sure? Yeah, they have waffle fries. You're right. I thought you meant waffle fries when you said uh, crinkle. So no, we got to find out who this is. Uh, we'll get on it. Yeah. And uh, you and I will talk again about legal madness uh, next week <laughs> or sometime in the next few days, Wendy. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. If you want to know more, go to wendypatrickphd.com. wendypatrickphd.com. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You guys know how much I love cars. At least I think I know a little bit about cars, but I like them. I like them a lot, and uh, I like to talk about cars. And I have a good friend in Lauren Fix, the car coach. She is amazing. Lauren is on uh, all forms of social media. She's on the Twitter. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. She's on YouTube with Car Coach Reports that you should follow. Just so much great stuff. And Lauren gets to lead the life I would love to lead. She gets to test drive all the new cars. And she's also involved in selecting the uh, car and truck and I think it's Sport Utility Vehicle of the Year with a group that she's a part of. And so she's back with us. We have so much to talk about, Lauren Fix, but I'm glad you're here. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, it's been a very busy week. We uh, announced the final, the, the winners of the North American Car Truck and Utility of the Year Awards. Great finalists. I mean, like super impressive options. And uh, and I just finished watching the Mecham auction. So we got to see what's going on the, the car markets on 
fire. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You do what I do on Saturdays when there's nothing on, when I'm waiting for a game to come on, you flip over to that live auction. It's usually a lot of cool collectible cars, but you're saying any used car is going for ridiculous money these days? Absolutely. The used car market's up around um, somewhere around 40% over what it usually would be if it was 2019, you know, comparably if you do, do all the math. So why, why are cars as high as that much over what they're worth? It's because there is no new cars. And wait till you see the new supply crunch. China just shut down their ports and they're limiting uh, boats coming in here. Why they're not going to other ports, who knows? But there's a lot of stuff going on, including there's going to be a huge truckers strike starting January 22nd. I believe 22nd or 23rd. All those are going to add up to not getting food and not getting car parts and not getting car components to manufacturers to produce vehicles. And to give you an idea, I personally ordered an F-Series Ford truck, and I'm still waiting on it. It's been seven months. Wow. And every every month I check and I call, I, you know, call, I have friends at Ford Motor Company, and I'll call and say, hey, what's, oh, we're working on, we're pushing yours through. Pushing it through at seven months is not pushing it through. I could almost have a baby in this time period. This is crazy. So patience is key, and if you don't need to buy a new or used vehicle, don't. Wow, that's seven months. I would have, and like you said, you know people. You know a guy who knows a guy who's connected. I know to the some. guy. Yes. I know the guy, and, I still, <laughs> and, and they've already and they've already made phone calls for me. But they said the vehicle's done. They're waiting on one component. And again, the vehicle sits in a warehouse waiting for that one component, and obviously it's coming from someplace else. So yeah, this is a problem. They can't make everything. Otherwise, that, you know, the factories would be even bigger than they are. That's a, just such an amazing year and the things that we've seen that nobody talks about. Lauren talked about a, a racetrack over the fall that was abandoned but filled with trucks that were full except for, fully finished, except for some chips. And so they they parked them and were waiting for the chips. It's, it's so bizarre, Lauren. I don't want to lose track of... The big it topic. is bizarre. It is bizarre. Um, you you had the, the winners of uh, the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle. Is that the correct title? That is correct. So we'll start off with the easy one, the car. So the finalists, each category had an electric vehicle that was new. There was a Lucid Air. It was the Volkswagen Golf, which I thought was excellent. Very well done. And the Honda Civic. And it's pretty easy to guess the winner's going to be. It's, it was the Honda Civic. I mean, not that any of the vehicles were bad. And I have reviewed the Lucid Air. I'll be posting that review uh, probably on Tuesday. But I have driven the Golf as well. And I liked them all. But I have to tell you, super impressive that the Honda won. Uh, going to the next category is truck. And this we were talking about before you and I got on air. The Ford Maverick, which is a compact truck. It is on a truck chassis. So it's really kind of a neat vehicle. Comes in hybrid that gets 40 miles to the gallon. Or you can get uh, a regular gasoline without the hybrid option. Um, they're neat little trucks. Well, wait, uh, hold on a second. Loaded or not? That that's that's a truck that caught my brother's eye, my younger brother's mm-hmm. eye, and he said he's really interested in it. And I said, well, let's talk about pickup because you know I like the fact that my car goes fast. He's also a Tesla driver. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any any strength if you get the hybrid? Is there a little zip in that car? Uh, it's not going to be a Model S Plaid, but, you know, it's it's going to have more than enough to accelerate onto an on-ramp to pass someone and be totally fine. We drove, when we reviewed it, which I have the review on, I have two reviews, actually, on the um, 
Car Coach Reports channel. We drove both of them. The hybrid was great, actually. I, I thought it had really good fuel economy, good pickup. And remember, you're getting that extra boost when you're getting off the line. Hmm. Uh, it, it's not a rocket ship. It's not meant to be. Its main competitor is this uh, the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is basically a Tucson with a truck bed. So it has more of an SUV ride and less of a truck ride. But it has all those niceties that you would want when you're thinking, i got to live in this vehicle every single day and maybe I want to haul some things. And the third vehicle in the truck category was the Rivian R1T, which I have already posted my review. Uh, I thought it was a, the Rivian's great, but it's not mainstream. It just can't produce enough of them. There's no service centers if you need anything. So I think people are not – some people are very edgy and want to do that. And other people are like, well, what if I have a problem? So they're a little bit more practical. But the winner was the Ford Maverick, and it was well-deserved. And I knew it. As soon as I drove it, I go, we have a winner. You know it right away when you drive it. <laughs> okay. And the final award was the utility vehicle, right? Right. Yes. Utility vehicle of the year was very interesting. Um, there was my, one of my favorites, the Ford Bronco. And it comes everything, the full-size Bronco, everything from a base manual transmission all the way up to the first edition, which is long sold out. Um, I reviewed the Wild Track also, which is the off-road uh, top of the line, which I really actually liked a lot. I had pretty good power, 2.7 liter engine. Uh, also running in that category is one of my other favorite cars, but a little different, the Genesis GV70. When that thing showed up in my driveway, I'm like, it better perform because I was expe- I was actually had very low expectations. I didn't want to return that car. It was absolutely fabulous. Wow. The Germans should be very worried. Fabulous vehicle. Uh, and the third vehicle uh, in the SUV category was the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is an all-electric vehicle. And it doesn't say Hyundai anywhere on the vehicle. Except for on the wheels, it's the Latini logos. It's very interesting that they took all the Hyundai logos off and just used the word Ionic 5 everywhere. But the vehicle is really impressive. We drove it all over California. Of course, it's California, so the weather's not going to have be bad like it is now. But um, I was pretty impressed with it. And it's coming in in that you know reasonable $40,000 range, considering and you get the $7,500 tax credit and any state credits. So that could save you quite a bit of money. Uh, but the winner was when i kind of knew it as soon as i drove it the ford bronco hmm well i'm i'm seeing them yeah. on dealer lots and they're a good looking car i have to find oh, yeah. one of those iconics and give it a spin because i'm uh, ionic it's, i know that's a problem ionic i-o-n-i-c i know it's i-o-n-i-q also so it, it makes it just a little bit more challenging. <laughs> well, you, know, if you can't spell it. How do you know you own it? That's you know? true. That's true. I, I, I'm going to find a way to take a look at it. And those cars always have great warranties, too. Yep. 10-year, 100,000-mile warranties. That's why Honda and Kia and Genesis, which are all you know the Korean brands, do so well. They really saw where the, the spot was missing. Everyone was kind of sitting in that three or 36,000 miles. And then some manufacturers have gone to five years, 60,000 miles. And they're like, you know what? We're 10 year, 100,000 mile. Beat that. And they dropped the <laughs> mic and no one else has stepped up to the plate. So I have to give them a lot of credit. And they include roadside service and maintenance as well in many cases. So pretty impressive. Well, that's very cool. So those are the uh, car, truck, and sport utility vehicle of the year. Real quickly, the car of the year was the Honda Civic. Yes, Honda correct. Civic. Okay, and it's kind of a new design. I've seen it. Okay. It looks snappy. Yep. The truck. Every, everything has to be new, or it's not eligible. It has oh, okay. to be all new. Good. The truck of the year was the uh, Ford Maverick. Maverick, and you said that was an instant, easy decision. And the sport utility yep. of the year 
was Ford Bronco. For, so Ford Bronco. Ford. I that was an easy one too. I mean, and it comes with an off rodeo. If you buy the off, off all the, any full size Bronco or up trim level sport, a Bronco Sport, you get the off rodeo. So there's four locations. It's Moab, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, and there's a place in New Hampshire that just opened that is all off road, and they actually show you how to use a vehicle like yours you don't have to bring your own vehicle you bring you use one of theirs and you learn the full capabilities and what your vehicle can do and it will impress you see this is smart a, a, a car company doing education for its owners and not making them get their own car dirty in the off-road trip called an off-rodeo which i love that branding lauren this is yeah. so good follow lauren now do it today and uh, she'll always be joining us uh, she's stuck with me so lauren i hope you'll be back <clears throat> again soon Anytime. Always a lot of fun. I'm always putting up great articles to help educate and empower people because we want you to have car smarts. Go to Car Coach Reports on YouTube. Thanks again, Lauren. Thank you.